Please remain standing for the proclamation of the gospel according to St. Mark. Listen for the word of the Lord. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint the body of Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had already risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were so afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, I, I, borrowed, I borrowed this from a colleague, but in my three-ring binder are actually three sermons. Ready? The first one is a $500 sermon that lasts five minutes. The second is a $100 sermon that lasts 10 minutes. And then there's a, a $50 sermon that lasts 15 minutes. You may cast your vote by putting something in the collection plate found at either the doorway around the back over here. You know, if we've, I've shared that twice now, and if $500 equals a short sermon, then how should I feel about really large checks that I've noticed in the offering plate over here? I don't know what that means. What if we really could determine an Easter outcome to the story that easily? Do you think it's possible? I've been thinking a lot about story endings this week with Mark's gospel. I, I, I have not preached. Jillian and I were sharing this. She preached it at the sunrise service this morning, and she and I were collaborating uh, the past couple of weeks, acknowledging we have not preached uh, the resurrection of Mark from his gospel. And so I've been thinking a lot about endings and how odd this ending to Mark is for the resurrection story. Normally we're hearing from Luke or, you know, John is typically what we hear on Easter morning. But there are basically six types of endings to stories. They're either resolved, unresolved, they're expanded, they're unexpected, they're ambiguous, or they're, they're something that ties them all together with everything that came previously. I think Mark, I think he took all six of them and said, watch this, I'm just going to use them all. But if I had to pick one, I would say this is the most unexpected ending we could ever imagine for a gospel story and for several reasons. First, there's no Jesus. Jason mentioned it just a minute ago. He is not here. What do you mean he's not here? Where is he? Where did he go? Who took him? What happened? We're left asking that question. But the other reason this story is odd is that there really isn't any proof of, of resurrection to be found, not like in Matthew, not like in Luke, not like in John. You know something else that's odd about this story? 
is that the whole gospel ends in verse 8, and it is a sentence fragment. What does it mean that the greatest story ever told ends with this dangling sentence particle? It's as if in the Greek it literally translates terror and amazement seized them because of, or terror and amazement seized them for the purpose of, oh, for the purpose of what? It's just open-ended, suspended, as if the fact that Jesus is not even there wasn't baffling enough. Mark doesn't even resolve the story. Come on, man, help a brother out. What is happening? I think, according to Mark, it is absolutely possible to finish a story's ending, and here's why. I want you to think about this story in a couple of ways, it, but it has a, a particular movement to it. The women, the first movement, they, they arrive expecting to host a funeral. They didn't have time to prepare the body and to anoint the body right before the Passover. They ran out of time, and, and one cannot touch or take up with, with dead things during the Passover, so they had to come back. They came grieving, preparing for a funeral. They arrived at the place of death in a tomb, and there was this young adult decked out in a jazzy white outfit, apparently, with a set of instructions saying, I have something I have to tell you. The third movement is they were so petrified they had to leave. That's the three movements. They arrive in grief, they receive an Easter message, and they leave traumatized. I promise I'm not going to leave you traumatized, I hope. Those words actually aren't exactly what the Greek tells us. Traumatized and ecstatic is what's used. Ecstatic, not in this joyful sense, but they, they were out of their minds. They, they came grieving. They left traumatized. What does that say? I love Mark's gospel for that very reason, because it holds together life and death, mystery and reality, Grief and trauma, bewilderment and, and certainty. But the anchor point that holds all of that together is what, is what the messenger has for them at the place of death, at the place of entombment. He is not here. He is not in this tomb. He will never be entombed. He is risen and will be forever risen. And if you want to see him, you have to go out to Galilee, the good news of Easter is that Jesus is always one step ahead of us. Amen? So what I think happens is a couple of things in this story that ought to make us say amen and shout hallelujah. The first of which is I think the Easter story, the power of resurrection, the power of Jesus Christ. I think, I think Christ takes grief by one hand and trauma and terror by the other, and says, let's go. I've got you. I'm right here with you. Some of you who have longed for this day have brought grief and trauma with you this morning. Many of you watching are still not comfortable coming, and I'm so grateful that God has blessed us with the technology to meet you where you are 
Because every single one of us here today at all five of these services of, of resurrection, whether you're listening now or later in the week, every single one of us has experienced some form of grief, some form of trauma in the past year. And we need to know that Jesus Christ will not be entombed, but will take us by the hand and say, let's go. I'm right here with you in the future. And how does that happen? Well, it, it might just be that the body of Christ is the person sitting next to you right now. Someone whose hand you can actually squeeze and hold in these very moments. Someone whose eyes into you, you may look as you arrived or as you're leaving as a reminder that you're not alone as we move forward in the future together. Christ... Christ initiates the journey to healing. And I wonder if Mark leaves us so suspended and open-ended and with this strange dangling particle of a sentence as if to say, Christ is already ahead of the healing process if the church will rise up and go together. The second thing that I, I really love about this text is that some of you some of you need to know that Christ is with you through the grief and trauma and shout hallelujah and shout amen. And, and others who are listening today, you say, I, I'm not there. I'm not in the grief and trauma. I'll, I get that about others and I'll walk with them. But I'm ready to go, preacher. I'm ready to go make a difference. I, I've been cooped up and, and I'm ready to do something. Well, guess what? Mark, Mark has a message of good news for you too. That last part of, of that set of instructions, you know, he is not here, he is risen. If you want to find him, go ahead to Galilee. That's where Jesus will be found. That is a powerful place, Galilee. It emerged as a reality for the first century disciples. It's kind of this, this metaphor, this archetype for our own resurrection experience. I, I think for the Gal Galilee, for the Jewish Christians, is the place where they heard Jesus say, follow me. And then at resurrection, when they heard the messenger say, go back to Galilee, what they heard is, go back to the places where they saw Jesus heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, restore sight, give sound back, raise up people and say, walk. All of that happened in Galilee. Water turned to wine. Fish and loaves in the hands of the master fed thousands. Go back to Galilee and you'll find Jesus at work there. In some way, Mark's open-ended Easter story is saying, go back to normal. And what you'll find is a resurrection power and presence that is anything but normal. I think for the Gentile converts, Mark has a message of Easter that says, Go back into Galilee, the place where Jesus drew the circle wider and wider and wider to show the world how inclusive God's love really is. That one doesn't have to check the cultural and religious boxes to be a part of God's family. That when Jesus spread his arms out on the cross and flung open the tomb, they said, all are invited. All are invited to the resurrection party. Go back to the places this open-ended gospel says, where it doesn't make sense to go back and Jesus will already be there raising to life that which is cut off, entombed, or bound by the ways of this world. Galilee, this land of powerlessness and marginalization where 
people with different accents and cultural practices, and they probably dressed differently from the everyday ebb and flow of life. Go back to Galilee. That's what the instructions said to do. And there's this strange irony amid all of this that in going back, we're actually going ahead into the mission of Christ. I mentioned earlier that this gospel, it ends in an incomplete sentence as if to say the end is not the end. Crucifixion, by all sensibilities and by the world's understanding of it and by the firsthand accounts of it, should have been the final part of the Jesus story, but crucifixion is not. Resurrection should bring closure to the life and, and ministry and mission of Jesus, but not according to Mark's gospel. It leaves it open-ended as if to say, it's up to us to finish the story. It's up to the body of Christ to rise up and to finish the story, to take one another by the hand when there's grief and trauma and say, let's go into the future where Christ is already waiting with grace to heal us. It's the body of Christ rising up no longer looking in the rearview mirror at what has transpired over the past year, but looking out the windshield to say, where, where, O oh Christ, are you to be found? And how can we join the redemptive resurrection work that's being done all around us? This ending to Mark's gospel is no ending at all. It is actually a beginning. It's a starting point. And to that thought, that's why I love Mark's gospel too. It thrusts us into what's called the great 50 days, beginning right now, Easter lasts 50 days, between the day of resurrection and Pentecost, the church for centuries has celebrated the great 50 days. And so what we've decided to do as a church is to challenge ourselves. Starting today, we're taking on the great 50-day challenge of Easter to celebrate the signs and wonders that God is doing in all of our Galilees in all of the margins, in all of the highways, in all of the byways, in all of the places where you've seen reconciliation happen and redemption happen and where you've heard Christ calling you, we're going back into the Galilee. Mark puts us to work in that way. Mark says, get, get back at it. Get after it. So we're in the great 50-day challenge, and the staff has helped prime the pump for this challenge. And you can find all this on our website. It's going live right now. If you received a copy of the Chimes magazine, it's, it's in the Chimes magazine. What does it look like over the next 50 days to claim the power and presence of the resurrected Christ and take in 50 new members or baptisms? What does it look like for 50 people to write letters to inmates to say, I know you're entombed right now, but let me tell you about one who has overcome all tombs. What does it look like for 50 members to write veterans to say thank you for your service, your sacrifice? How may I help you take the next steps in your journey? We have all sorts of, of 50s that we want to help, help you adopt, and you're going to be creative too. There's a book waiting for you in the breezeway if you haven't already picked one up. It's an amazing prayer book. For 50 days, you can have a prayer devotional. The prayers in this book are written by a member of our church, and the correlating, uh, correlating artwork is, is done by one of the members of our church. For 50 days, we can be in prayer about the power 
and presence of Christ at work in all of our Galilees throughout this great city we call Montgomery, Alabama. At the end of those 50 days, on the birthday of the church, we're going to collect them. We're going to collect them and see what God has done. I, here's a bold challenge. I, I don't know if it's too lofty or too limiting. I don't really know how this will go. I don't know if it'll fall flat on its face or if, if God is going to show up, but I'll tell you this. I believe in the power of resurrection. And I believe in us. Always have and always will. And I believe that if God can raise a dead man to life, God can raise the church up to make a difference in our community. Amen? I believe in us. I believe in your family, in your Sunday school class, in your small group, and your accountability partner. I believe in our youth program, in our children's ministry, in our respite ministry. I believe in our kitchen. I believe, I believe in every area that Christ is at work in this church will become a Galilee and will find a Galilee and will make a difference. The stones of masks and registrations and pandemics and vaccination, those stones are beginning to roll away. There's some news coming out about that this week too. But do not miss the anchor point that says Christ will never be entombed and it's time for the church, the body of Christ, to rise up. This is a day of new beginnings and our God is making all things new. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen.